Welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series. And in today's message, we're going to focus on the topic of why it's essential for those who are in Christ to produce good fruit. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, in chapter 15, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. So in essence, if we bear good fruit, we produce a crop of good fruit, in essence, we're proving ourselves to be the disciples of Christ. Now, this podcast is not only going to detail how we can produce good fruit, but also, what are the consequences if we fail to do so? In Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, it tells us that when John the Baptist, uh, who was baptizing the baptism of repentance in the uh, River Jordan, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of that day, the Jews, were coming to his place to be baptized. And John looked at them and he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? He knew that they were uh, guilty and that they were not wanting to be considered sinners. And so let, let's go and get baptized like everyone else. Well, John saw right through it. And he said, you know, you need to produce fruit if you're going to come here. Produce fruit then in keeping with repentance. But they weren't coming there to keep repentance. They were simply coming there to claim repentance. Just like many people do today who claim Jesus, who say, I decided to follow Jesus, who are churchgoers, and they claim repentance, but they don't live a life consistent with re the, the repentance that they claim. And so they need to produce good fruit. He continues, John the Baptist continues. He says, and don't presume to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father, meaning, okay, somehow or another, you're children of God. No, he says, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children from Abraham. Much like people make the claim, I go to church, I'm this and I'm that, and all these different denominations, and uh, they practice all these different um, traditions, and they say, because of this, I am a good Christian. Well, that I can imagine John the Baptist saying, you know what? He said, don't, don't say that. Don't presume that that's going to get you into heaven because the stones and the bricks of the buildings that you attend, God could turn them into Christians if he wanted to. So John continues and he says, the ax lies ready at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and will be thrown into the fire. John said, you know, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one more powerful than, than me or anyone else whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. Now, he will baptize you not with water for repentance, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand 
clear the threshing floor and to gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, the wheat signifying those who are truly in Christ, and the chaff being those that make the claim but aren't. Now in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, Jesus gives us a, a parable that speaks to what happens to those who don't produce good fruit. He said, a man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He went to look for the fruit on this tree, but he didn't find any. So he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for the past three years, I've come to search for the fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Therefore, cut it down. Why should we use up the soil with this fruitless tree? Sir, the man said, leave it alone again this year until I dig around it and I fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, you can cut it down. Well, this parable really relates to the Jewish people who, although they were chosen, didn't obey the commandments of God. And in the end, they lost their place and they were cut, cut off at the base for the lack of producing good fruit. In this parable, as was the case, God gave them extra time because of his patience and his compassion. And after unsuccessfully trying various ways to change their hearts to his many prophets that he sent to them, he eventually decided to punish them for their disbelief and their stubbornness. Well, furthermore, this parable also serves to remind those who claim to be in Christ, but yet have not committed their lives to Christ, not truly from their hearts, that they will face the same end if they don't have a repentant heart and if they do not produce good fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 23, Jesus tells us, you know, beware of false prophets, the ones who come and make claims that aren't true, the ones who mislead people. These are false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they're really ravenous wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them, Jesus said. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Then he continues, he says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. It just can't. And a bad tree, likewise, cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, Jesus said, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Then Jesus said, so then by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus said, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people who make that claim. I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible every day. All these different things that people say. <laughs> hey, Jesus said, not, not everyone who calls me Lord will be there. They won't enter the kingdom of heaven. But who will, he said? Jesus said, only he who does the will of my Father in heaven which is not to make a religious claim and live like the Jews did, 
according to a set of rules and then call yourself righteous or holy. Many will say to me on that day, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says, For land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those from whom it is tended, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless, and its curse is imminent. In the end, it will be burned. And Jesus said in Luke 6, 43 through 45, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit. Indeed, figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes from brambles. The good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. For out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus also told us that where our treasure is, what we treasure most, there our heart will be. Most people who make the claim falsely that they're following Jesus, that they're Christians, that because they go to church, they think that they're going to be justified. Really, they treasure this world. They treasure their lives in this world. They treasure their bucket lists. They treasure the things that they can gain in this world, maybe fame, maybe a certain sense of wealth, um, maybe recognition from friends and family. People are seeking things that are not the kingdom of heaven, but are the things of this world. And so Jesus said uh, when he was teaching the parable of the sower, that's in Luke chapter 8, 14, verse 14, that the seeds that fell among the thorns are those who hear and maybe even try to live a life to fulfill. But as they go on their way, they're choked out by the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. Jesus also spoke about bearing fruit many times. And, you know, in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, he probably gives us the strongest illustration of what he meant by bearing fruit. He said, I am the true vine. And we know that from a vine comes branches and fruit is born. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the keeper of the vineyard. So the father in heaven, he cuts off every branch in me. Jesus said, that bears no fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, the Father will prune to make it even more fruitful. He's telling his disciples, his followers, these are people who actually weren't part of the crowd, weren't just going for recognition, weren't going to make themselves feel good. These folks were following him because they truly loved him and they were following Jesus from their hearts. And he said, you are already clean 
because of the word that I've spoken to you. And then he gives them a warning and he says, remain in me. Now, Jesus wouldn't tell them, his closest disciples, to remain in him if he thought that there was a possibility that they had no choice, but they did have a choice. They had free will. And he tells them to remain in me because he knows some of them will choose to not remain in him. So he says, remain in me. And if you do, I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And remember, this whole podcast is about producing good fruit. Jesus just said, if you do not remain in him, you cannot produce good fruit. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I prayed the prayer and I'm good to go. And I go to church and I'm remaining in him. And But you're living your life in this world and you're remaining in this world as though nothing's changed. Except for maybe you go to church and you read your Bible. But that's not following Jesus. That's following a religious life called Christianity and doing so in the name of Christ, but yet really keeping your life in this world intact. Sure, you live a better life. Sure, you try not to sin. But are you really following, sacrificially following Jesus? Then Jesus continues and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You're a dead branch. If anyone does not remain in me, Jesus wouldn't say this unless he knew there were many who would not remain in him. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now, such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Now, if you keep my commandments, and remember the two commandments, to put God first in your life every day, 24-7, he says to do that, and the second one's like it, to love all others unconditionally. He says, if you keep my commandments, then you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Now, I've told you these things so that your joy may be, uh, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. Now he's going to tell us plainly. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Are you willing to lay down your life for Christ? Surrender it, everything that you have planned. Give it away. You're not going to go ahead and do it. You don't, you don't live your life for you any longer. You surrender it for Christ. Well, if the answer to that is, well, that's not, uh, I'm not exactly doing that. Well, we call those um, non-believers because you're not putting your faith in Christ. 
when you place your full faith in him to follow him, you trust him for all things. So that's his commandment, that you're willing to lay your life down, but not just for Christ, but for others. Sacrificing that you're willing to lay your life down for your friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do what I command you. Many don't. Many say they do, just like the, the religious Jews used to make all these proclamations, but they weren't really doing it. No longer do I call you servants, Jesus said, for a servant does not understand what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Oh, so we don't choose Christ? No. He says, you didn't, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to do what? To go and bear fruit. Fruit that will remain. He wants us to remain in him. Not to keep going back into the world and living our lives and constantly seeking forgiveness because we're so weak in this world. Well, you know, you'd live victoriously if you surrendered your life in this world and trusted Christ. This isn't what people do. And they're caught in that addictive lifestyle where they just keep on living in this world and yet fooling themselves by thinking that they're going to heaven because they prayed a prayer and they're following these traditional edicts that are placed out there. Well, Jesus continues and he says, um, so whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give you. This is my command to you. This is his command, that you love one another. You know, I, there's 37 million churches around the world. And I can guarantee you that people that live in those churches aren't loving one another. In fact, some of them are using all kinds of words to describe others in a sinful way. And they're battling among themselves. But this is exactly what we were told, is that a house divided among itself cannot stand. And when this... Uh, so-called church, the, the world church, I'm not talking about the body of Christ, I'm talking about the Christian church, it can't stand, not together collectively, because Christ is not the head. No, what is the head is each denomination, each part that segregates it from another. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26, Paul gives us some real solid examples of the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first thing he says. Now we know that God is love, and that's a fruit of the Spirit that others can eat from. Joy. Well, it says in the scriptures that he makes our joy complete. And Jesus, as I shared earlier, said he wants our joy to be complete. So he gives us joy. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Peace. He gives us peace, not as the world gives, a peace that passes all understanding. Patience. Well, God is far more patient than mankind, as he's still tarrying in his judgment. That we're still here and the harvest is still going so that souls can be turned towards the Lord. He is patient. Kindness. Jesus demonstrated kindness over and over again, the kindest 
of men. Goodness. Well, we know that good, only good, can come from God. This can only come from God. Goodness. Faithfulness. It says in the scriptures that Jesus is the author of our faith. So we'll be faithful if we're connected to the vine, if we're in Christ. Gentleness. Who is more gentle than Jesus? And self-control. Now, even though Jesus was tempted, just as we are, he lived in a human body and suffered the same types of temptations that we suffer. Jesus never sinned. Now, we can't say that. We are sinners. Jesus never sinned. You know, Paul said, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and his desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. In Romans chapter 7, verse 4 through 6, Paul said, we're no longer under the law. Therefore, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that would be Jesus, in order that we might bear fruit to God. This is why Jesus put us in the position and chose us and said that we are raised, he was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit in God. Well, it's the spirit that produces that, not our own strength, not our own abilities. All those things that Paul said, the peace and joy and love and patience, all those things that were shared are produced by the spirit of God in our lives and that we are a reflection of Christ. And those things will be produced from us, not because of our own strength, not because of our own holiness, but because of the spirit of God. And then it goes on to say, uh, of course, let us not provoke, let us not envy. But we don't see people doing that. We see people constantly wanting to provoke one another and envy and even becoming conceited. So when Paul said, you died by the law, and that Jesus died in order for us to be able to bear fruit, he goes on to say, to say, for when we lived according to the flesh, which some people are still living according to the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, bearing fruit, but yet fruit for death. But now, having died to what bound us, if you're truly in Christ, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way, the way of the Spirit and not in the old way, the way of the written code or the law. In Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, we learn that we must remember concerning how we should live our lives for Christ. It says, remind the believers to submit to their rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work which is producing fruit, to malign no one, not to 
badmouth anyone, to malign no one, and to be peaceable and gentle, showing full consideration to everyone. This is the fruit of the Spirit. For at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, and misled and enslaved in all sorts of desires and pleasures, living in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by the righteous deeds that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of new birth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the Spirit that he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we would become heirs with the hope of eternal life. You see, many people think that just by going to church and reading the Bible and doing all these things that they're heirs and that they're going to have eternal life, but that is not what Jesus taught, and that is not what you really see in the scriptures, but yet people will gather to, to themselves together, teachers who will teach them what they want to hear. Oh, good. Thank you for giving me a little relief. I can live my life in this world the way I want to. And as long as I go to church and follow these certain practices, I'm still a good Christian. This is half truths. This is lies. This is coming from Satan, not coming from God. So when it says that in here that we're becoming heirs, then it goes on to say, this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to emphasize these things so that those who have believed God will take care to devote themselves to good deeds, to allowing the Spirit to reign in their lives, to produce the good fruit. These things, as Paul concludes in his writing to Titus, these things are excellent and profitable for the people. So in closing, it's absolutely essential for everyone who is in Christ to produce good fruit. And if we are, if we are producing that good fruit, then we will be walking as Jesus walked.